sorry. <laughs> sorry. Our first scripture reading uh, this morning is from 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 10. I think you've already heard part of that. Uh, follow along, please. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So we're looking today in John at the story of Jesus' baptism. Now we've been stuck on the story of Jesus' baptism for a couple of weeks here um, because each of the four Gospels tells that story and tells it in a very different way. In Mark, if you'll recall, it's very short. Kind of goes like this. Jesus went out into the wilderness and got baptized. The end. In John, no, 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 no. Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he checks things out. Then the next day, Jesus comes back out into the wilderness and he actually gets baptized. Then the day after that, some of John's followers, Andrew and Simon Peter, decide to follow Jesus. And then the day after that, we finally get here. So, in the first chapter, starting at the 43rd verse, we hear this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of East Liverpool? I'm sorry, Nazareth? And Philip said to him, this is important, 
Come and see. The theme of come and see comes back again and again and again in the Gospel of John. Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the greatest theologians of the last century. He was hanged in Nazi Germany for a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And the reading about this that, and the writing that he's done about it is fascinating. He was convinced that the Christian thing to do for the sake of the world was to eliminate Hitler. And in the, in the, in the time between the plot and when Bonhoeffer was actually hanged, he started a seminary where young men would follow him and listen to his teachings and his preachings. He was able to write profound things from his prison cell. And one of the things that he talked about was something he liked to call religionless Christianity. Seems like a strange concept, but when you know what he means, it really makes a lot of sense. Religionless Christianity is a belief that comes not from what we say we believe, but from how we act. So we don't need a confession or a creed. We don't need a ritual. We don't need some grand, grandiose statement about this is what we believe We need to act in a Christian way. It is true that religion often spends too much time on what to believe and not enough time actually believing it. Well, that's a tough one. It means that we're not supposed to just come and sit here and intellectually take all this in like sponges, but it's actually supposed to transform our lives in a way that is demonstrated in how we live day to day. Tom. 
To be a Christian is to be formed in the image of Christ. Now, we have come in the Christian church, in religion, to believe that to be a Christian is to read and study and know all we can. But that can't be all there is to it. Following Jesus is not someone's deliberation or someone's choice. But Jesus says, come and see. Following Jesus is seeing and hearing. Watch carefully in this text what happens. Jesus has done nothing up to this point. We get the stuff in the beginning about in the beginning was the word. And then it takes him four days to get baptized. He hasn't performed a single miracle. There's no signs. Not even a single teaching. And yet here, as Jesus calls his first followers, he says to them, not read and know, but come and see. Come and see. Come and see and hear and follow. Y'all perhaps remember a sermon that I gave in Advent. And just so you know, I screwed it up at the end. It was the sermon where I talked about, you know, somebody comes to you wanting to know more about Jesus and what do you do? You either give them a book or you send them to the pastor. And I tried to make it clear to you that if you had a choice of doing those two things, please send, give them a book, because the pastor doesn't know what to do any more than you do. But the part of it that I screwed up was what, what I was supposed to say at the end was, don't give them a book. Don't send them to the pastor. Send them to the manger where they find Christ in human form to teach them about who God really is. See, Philip and Nathaniel hear Jesus say, come and see. Now, I don't know about you, but Come and see would not be enough of a message, enough of, a, of an encouragement, enough of a push to convince me to follow somebody around for three years. But it was for them. It's the encounter with Christ that propels Philip and Nathaniel to follow Jesus. 
The presence of Christ that draws them in. Come and see. This is, in some ways, John's version of the Great Commission where Matthew says, go out into the world and make disciples. Here John is saying, come and see. Those of you who want to make disciples for Jesus, the way to do it is the way Jesus did it. Come and see. Tell others to come and see. See, when we say the word evangelism, the church, everybody goes, oh. I couldn't possibly tell anybody anything about Jesus. I'll give them a book or send them to the pastor. And you know what my greatest fear is. My greatest fear in the mainline Protestant church is the reason that that makes us nervous is because there's nothing really happening in our lives of faith to inspire another. To follow. And I pray every day I'm wrong about that. But the notion here is not that as we attract others to follow Jesus, that we have to have some profound message to offer. But that the way we live reflects the Christ in whom we believe. Listen, I don't have to spend a lot of time up here today telling you our world is a mess and our country is a mess. And you can read all kinds of stuff from the evangelical Christian perspective to the liberal church perspective about what a mess our world is and how that mess is affecting how people who are not Christian see the Christian church. And it is not a positive view. It is imperative upon us. We who are Christians to look to the world and as we follow Jesus find hope and peace and love and a way of living that reflects the presence of Jesus in our lives. If we can't do that, it doesn't matter how many books we read. It doesn't matter how many pastors we know. It doesn't matter how many... It doesn't matter. Because when we say to people, come and see, all they see is a big mess. But if we live in the Spirit of Christ and we say to them, come and see... They see the Spirit of Christ. So y'all, our admonition, our encouragement, our push today, when we 
think about talking to others about the faith that has transformed our lives. Just to be able to say to them, come and see. Thanks be to God. Amen.